You are listening to Golden Otter Divinations, where the metaphysical meets the mainstream with Autumn Seibel. Tune in 9 a.m. Pacific, the first Friday of every month, as Autumn helps you manifest your dreams by connecting to loved ones in spirit, empowering you to find both physical and spiritual healing. Are you ready to transform your life and connect to divine guidance through practical strategies? Golden Otter Divinations is the place to find engaging interviews with medical experts, practicing mediums, intuitives, healers, and many more. Now, here's your host, Autumn Seibel. Hi, everyone. I'm Autumn, and you're listening to Golden Otter Divinations on Transformation Talk Radio. Stay with us for the next hour as we explore where the metaphysical meets the mainstream. Join us live each first Friday of the month at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, when we have new and informative... (laughs) and engaging interviews with medical experts, practicing mediums, intuitives, healers, and many more to help uplift, educate, and empower listeners like you to find the physical and spiritual healing available to you uh, that's sent by spirit. Um, Okay, so welcome to the show. Today, I have Reverend Brian Funk here to discuss mediumship, spirituality, reincarnation, spiritual awakening, and spiritual evolution all terms that were once relegated to private gatherings, church basements, and castigated by by society as woo-woo or taboo topics at best or dangerous practices at worst. But a new era has dawned, the age of Aquarius, which we'll talk about. However, and these terms are emerging on the horizon and quickly becoming a part of popular culture. They're no longer relegated as dangerous or mysterious and metaphysical principles of oneness and a mandate for Spiritual evolution as part of the human consciousness and condition have definitely appeared on the fringes of mainstream media, and it's easily seen seeping into public consciousness and discourse. With that said, I am so happy and ha- to have the honor of introducing you all to Reverend Brian Funk, who was ordained in 2009 by the United Mes- Metaphysical Churches. He is a UMC certified medium and healer. Reverend Funk's passion for divine metaphysics and highly refined sensitivity to the other side make him a gentle and wise healer and teacher. Uh, he's presently the pastor of Arlington Metaphysical Chapel in Arlington, Virginia. If you ever have a chance to go to a service, I highly recommend it. It's a great church, um, great chapel. And with that said, welcome to the show, Reverend Funk. <laughs> a lot, right? Thank you very much, Autumn. Thank you. Thank you to uh, Divine Otter <laughs> Divinations. Thank you for Transformation Talk Radio for giving me this opportunity. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks. So to raise our vibration, oh, sorry, <laughs> to raise our vibration and like get into the flow and just kind of to calm my nerves, <laughs> um, I like to start by asking all my guests if they've had a golden moment lately. So golden meaning a time you were just totally in the flow or an interaction that you knew was sent by spirit, something that made you smile and your heart sing. You had any golden moments lately? Uh, yeah, actually, the, I have. The The beauty of working at Arlington Metaphysical Chapel is I get a lot of those moments. Um, yeah, I bet. <laughs> I get to meet some absolutely fantastic people. Yep, and meeting the type of people that it feels like you've known them your entire life. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like meeting an old friend or a brother or sister and regardless of their race, gender, age, you're just like, oh my God, I love you. Great to see you again. Um, yeah. That That's happened twice in the last couple of weeks. And it just reminds me that I'm on the right path. Meeting these people, having them put in my life, that that's a golden reminder for me that uh, everything that. is as it should be. 
they always say people come into your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. And I'm always, I'm tracking that always. I'm like, are you here for a season or what's the reason? Are you my student? Are you my teacher? And uh, you know, once you kind of get into this metaphysical mindset, everything, nothing seems random. Nothing seems like by chance in the moment. It may kind of like, I talk about manifesting a lot. And sometimes when I manifest things, it like, even though I'm consciously trying to create it, when it happens, I still am surprised. Like, whoa. And maybe I'm just that new to it, but uh, it's nice when you have those moments of pausing. Oh, cool. Anyway, so um, thank you for that. So right now we're going to start off by talking about modern day mediumship. We'll kind of clarify the topic for our listeners and then dive in. So could you define for our audience what mediumship is? Sure. I mean, some of the more traditional definitions of it are basically someone who's sensitive to the vibrations of the unseen, basically somebody who's sensitive to the world of spirit whether that's seeing spirit, hearing spirit, feeling spirit, smelling spirit. Um, these are all what's known as the clairs, clairaudience, clairsentience, clairvoyance. Um, those are the traditional terms for it. It's basically the people that can see through the physical veil onto the other side of life. And that's, that's also kind of what the core of metaphysical is to beyond the physical. But mediums are really ones that can kind of perceive beyond that veil into the spiritual side or more energy side um, to be able to communicate and bring forth messages or information from the other side. It's different than a psychic that can pick up on the energy around you and maybe the energy mm -hmm. of somebody more mm -hmm. than a medium will give you information or be able to perceive them or see them in some way um, to give more clarification that the soul continues on. And there's I actually different types of mediums. Mm -hmm. oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say that was one oh, of the things. <laughs> when I was first, you know, trying to understand the concept of mediumship and psychic development, because I didn't grow up with any kind of understanding of this. Like I grew up in a rural community. I said before, I had no framework for this. So understanding the difference between a psychic and a medium was more, everybody is psychic. It's a matter of picking up on the energy that's present on this, this plane, the astral or the earth plane. Like who's going to call me? Who's, who's going to send me an email? Who's coming to my door? It's those pings that you get of just knowing. And the mediumship is where you're actually going up to the astral level and connecting with physical beings, humans, <laughs> relatives, people who once lived who are now in spirit. I guess that's the, that's yep, the definition that's as it. I understand it. And once I knew those two things, because psychic can kind of, you know, get, it, can, it gets a bad rap. And now if you relabel it as psi or telekinesis, things like that, that are actually sort of starting to come in a little bit more to the mainstream, a um, little bit, <laughs> it, it helps separate those two issues or those two phenomena, if you will. What were you going to say? You did a great, I was going to say you did a great job of almost defining mediumship yourself. Because if you think about those that are on the spiritual side, existing mm -hmm. on a frequency like of your telekinesis, that like let's say channel 200 mm -hmm. and our normal everyday life exists on channel five yeah so we have to they have to lower their vibration mm -hmm. to a certain channel we have to raise ours to a certain channel to meet in the middle and that's where the term happy medium comes from yeah happy. you know and that's <laughs> one of the things that i love when um especially when i go to get reading like there's everybody has a different style of mediumship but one of the things that i love is for the most part i have never seen 
maybe of mediums past, we'll talk about that, the, uh, the history of mediumship, but there's no longer really a doom and gloom approach. Like somebody comes back, like, I'm upset with you that you did this. It's like, no, that's not what mediumship is. If a spirit is taking the time to come back down here, like, why would you bother unless it's to really serve a higher purpose and to bring that person peace? So I think there's a little bit of fear. Um, maybe if somebody transitioned and there was tension or hostility or some some unresolved karma um, that they're scared. It's like, oh gosh, are they going to come and they're going to be mad at me? No. Once they get to that level, it's not like they lose their personality. They just see things from a higher perspective and all of the stuff kind of happening on the earth plane loses its importance. Things like money, property, you know, arguments that here on the physical plane seem so important. It's just not from their perspective. As far as I understand it and in my experience, I've never had or seen a reading where somebody has come through. And I mean, I've probably seen more people get read than I've personally been read that it's always a message of love, understanding and peace. That is if you're looking for a medium, anybody out there, that is what you should be looking for. Somebody who that's all they do. Cause I feel like that's a misconception. I commonly have to dispel when people know what I do. So anyways, maybe you could give us a brief history of mediumship, at least in the U S how it kind of came to our country. What are the historical roots? Sure. Um, most people tend to focus on the spiritualist history of mediumship. Mm -hmm. Um, and that spiritualism grew out of, uh, I believe it was 1848, and actually Lilydale, New York, yeah. or not around upstate New York. I don't know if yeah. Lilydale, but um, it kind of began there. That's what most people think was the beginning of mediumship, but in fact, it goes back a long time. It goes mm -hmm. back. You have lots of different cultures, lots of different ancestries throughout the world that believed in communicating with the spirit after mm -hmm. it died. Um, so it's nothing really new as far as like 160, 70 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been around for a long time. Years, you know, shamans, um, you have all these different people with different terms for doing the same thing of trying to go into the, into the spirit world mm -hmm. and bring forth messages back to the physical world. So I find myself like with more of a anthropological um, yeah. definition now of mediumship, not just limited to spiritualism. Mm -hmm. um, but I find that most tend to focus on, and within that traditional spiritualist definition, you would have physical mediums and mental mediums. And the mental mediums were the ones that could see, hear, feel, smell. But mm -hmm. the physical mediums were ones that could use their body and use what's called ectoplasm to materialize a spirit or to mm -hmm. materialize an object. And the problem with that, the problem with all mediumship is their propensity to then commit fraud. Yeah. And so that's another reason why a lot of this stuff was related to not so good because yeah. you had a lot of people using it to manipulate people and make money, which is yeah. still a problem, which is why, like you said, too, if you're going to a medium and if the messages aren't about love and closure and mm -hmm. releasing guilt and love and acceptance, um, you might want to find another medium and ask for your money back. Yeah, definitely. We were, I was just up at Lilydale and um, to, to bring up the history, it's such a peaceful place, but that is kind of where the modern day mediumship in America sprouted from. But now uh, the way I see it is that it's kind of all over the country in different, it's all over the world, but in our country, it's these different little pockets of um, 
belief that all kind of stem from the same concept that we can connect to the other side. Now I see it going more um, meta, like mind, like we all have the power within our mind and you see mediumship development courses and things like that. It's not just one single person is born with it or not. It's a skill that we all have. We all have these amazing brains that we can develop. And I could go on a long diatribe about that, about, you know, being indigenous people. Um, we've evolved past that point where we don't use all of our senses. Like a lot of times people ask me, well, what exactly is it? And I go, okay, well, you have five senses, sight, you know, touch, smell, hearing, and taste. It's a sixth sense that we just have stopped using as much and some people use it a little bit more but hey we have to take a break um but when we come back we will talk more about mediumship in modern america so you're listening to golden otter radio with autumn seibel we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we'll explore more about divine metaphysics with reverend brian funk stay tuned and we'll be right back ready to step into your dream life here in the physical do you wish there was a DIY guide for starting your metaphysical journey? Autumn Seibel has created an ebook for exactly this. The Lunar Manifestations Guide offers a year of new moon and full moon rituals to help you move from the life you've been living to the one you're dreaming about. Visit goldenotter.us and get your download instantly. Use promo code SUMMER for 10% off. Today is Reverend Brian Funk, who is talking to us about modern day mediumship and divine metaphysics. If you have a question and you want to call in, it's 1-800-930-2819. Again, 1-800-930-2819. Reverend Funk will be taking your questions towards the end of the show. Uh, before we continue with the interview, I wanted to make sure everyone knows how to get um, a hold of Reverend Funk. So Reverend Funk, could you give us your contact info for our listeners, please? Sure. Uh, because I travel around so much, I do prefer email. It's the best because when I'm actually where I live up in New York most of the time, I don't have a signal. So uh, rev.brianfunk at gmail.com. That's probably the best way to get me is through um, email. And then we can always set up phone stuff after that. But that's my preferred method. You can also always reach me through the AMC chapel as well. Perfect. And then your contact info is also linked through Transformation Talk Radio. Um, just go to my show page, everybody, a Golden Otter Radio. And that's where you can uh, check out Reverend Funk or any of my guests that I have on. So we're back and we, um, we're talking about modern day mediumship. So we have a little brief history of mediumship, what exactly it is. And um, now I want to talk about how do you think American mediumship is evolving, like specifically in our country? Sure. I mean, from what I've observed here and what I believe, it's it's directly related to the shift into the Aquarian age. Mm -hmm. And really the difference between mediumship within the Piscean age and the Aquarian age is that in the Piscean age, mediumship was more about, I have this gift and you do not. Therefore, mm -hmm. you need me to contact your loved ones. You need me to do this for you. I am your go-between. Yeah. And it was much more like I was, I'm, it was much more egocentric in my perspective. And the shift now into the Aquarian age is that since our vibration 
has lifted and gone higher to a higher frequency, a lot of us, as we used that analogy earlier, can connect to those channels a lot easier than we could before because our vibrations raised kind of collectively together. So I see mediumship and even just being able to connect with spirit being so much more universally available because mm -hmm. we've shifted and raised our consciousness and our vibration. So it's not just limited to a few that could do that. Now, collectively, a lot of us can. So you can even mm -hmm. see it on the media. You can see it on TV. I mean, mediumship's everywhere now. I mean, you can mm -hmm. follow mediums around it's and watch them talk to people. Um, well, and even at a, a lower level, it's like it's seeping in and it's pervasive. And maybe it's because that's what fascinates me. That's what I have an eye for. But on social media, on mainstream TV, people will say things casually that'll slip out of their mouth on reality TV. And the producers, whoever's filming or whoever's watching, half, half the time I bet people don't even catch it. But you say, oh, well, I'm sending them off in a bubble of white light, white light. And somebody might smirk or go, what are you talking about? Like, and I, I hear what they're saying. I go, oh, check. Like, you're, so you are in this belief of manifesting reality, connecting to the other side, or crystals are huge in mainstream, mainstream everywhere. I mean, there's, I think crystals have become, um, there's not really a taboo around them because they can be valued just for their pure beauty and the aesthetic nature of them. But they're, you know, crystals have energy. I'm sitting here with my, you know, white selenite to connect and, um, the more you kind of see these things littered throughout, no, I shouldn't say littered, sprinkled, sprinkled throughout the mainstream, it kind of makes it easier to have these conversations more openly. And then, you know, the other thing that I'd like to talk to you about this, because you are a minister and, you know, you go around and people say, well, what do you do? Oh, I'm a minister at a chapel. And it's a little bit easier to kind of put a box around that. It's like, oh, well, it's a religious thing. But really, there's mediums everywhere, and maybe they're not religiously affiliated. Being able to talk about it in a, a, in a from a place without shame, from a place without embarrassment, and from a place of um, fearlessness, where you're going, you know what? I'm not here to prove to you anything. I'm here to do me, and if it interests you, come on over. Let's talk. But that's the shift that I see happening. Um, because enough people are going, you know what, I'm not, I don't have to prove anything. And if you want to find the path, you'll find the path on your own. That's the kind of the shift I'm sensing a little bit. <laughs> I could not agree more. That Aquarian shift is about mm -hmm. empowerment. Yeah. It is about becoming your authentic self. Mm -hmm. And everything you said was, I couldn't have said it better. Um, <laughs> And that's the beauty of this, this shift in energy, too, is that more and more people, they want what's authentic. They want yeah. what's more genuine. Mm -hmm. And they can kind of perceive BS, so to speak, yeah. a lot better now. And they want what's real. And yeah. I think collectively, too, as we move forward with psychic abilities, mediumship, and you're right, with it becoming so mainstream, even in conversations with people that I would never expect to hear any type of new age terminology, even yeah. just the other day, I heard somebody say, oh, it's in your aura. And I was like, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Would not have expected that from you. Nice. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, 10 years ago, um, I remember hearing about auras and somebody was trying to explain it to me and how to see them. And I'm like, what is an aura? And now everywhere I look, even in my children's books, which I'm like, 
yes, they're like talking about auras and this and that. And it sounds like, you know, woo woo because it's a children's, um, children's book, but those seeds get implanted. And then when I walk around with my girls, I'm like, well, what's her aura? What's that aura? And they're thinking, oh, from the little pony um, book we were reading, each has an aura. And well, ponies can have auras, humans have auras, then, you know, you don't want to condition them, but I will have it. I'm going to have a show another time about psychic kids and medium ki- mediumship, like medium in- spiritually inclined children who are teaching us more about the other side than we could possibly ever teach them. Um, but it's, it's in the popular culture now. And I'm so excited to have this opportunity to have these um, open conversations without, you know, fear of retrieval, rep- because in the past that was very much um, a possibility. That's why I think a lot of mediumship and spiritual belief and understanding went underground because it was, it was an easy target. And, um, you know, if you start questioning somebody's sanity, that's the easiest way to, to minimize somebody and discredit them. You're like, Oh, they're woo woo. They're out there discredited done. And as you said, shifting into this age of Aquarian, the Aquarian age where we are all kind of understanding our own authentic power and that we don't need somebody to do something for us, that we have the ability within ourselves. Otherwise, why would we be on this crazy place called earth? Um, That shift, I think, is what's helping. You know, because there's more, I hope, and I see more of a reciprocity of if I do this to them, then they could do it to me. And that's less of a fear-based exchange and more of a love-based exchange. Like, I don't want to hurt that person because I don't want them to hurt me. If I don't hurt them, they won't hurt me. Or if they do hurt me, I can move away from it. I don't know. It's <laughs> my two cents. Uh, you're right. The Aquarian, the Aquarian energy is all about universal brotherhood and sisterhood. And it's all about treating each other like brothers and sisters and loving. And it's much more about oneness. It's not about separation. It's about coming together. So yes, and realizing that what I do to my brother or sister affects me. And what Mm -hmm. they, you know, realizing that, you know, I'm going to treat everybody lovingly with more compassion and forgiveness. Um, It's kind of living that now, lifting that energy. And I know a lot of people just want to focus on the negativity in the news, but our vibrations growing and shifting. Mm -hmm. Most people just can't perceive it. Yeah, that's what's so great about this network is I've never felt like there was anything that was off limits or that I couldn't talk about because the whole point of the network is to raise our collective vibration. And it just feels nice to know that like there are people who want to hear this. And just like I I listen to the network too and I want to hear what um, is being said so we collectively kind of counteract what's maybe in the mainstream and make this the new mainstream. But um, hey, I wanted to talk about metaphysics as far as um, is is it a philosophy or a religion? And how exactly did you discover metaphysics? Well, within the organization that I was ordained under, they, they classified as both a philosophy and a religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and philosophy, myself, like I'm just very philosophical by nature. I'm always questioning mm-hmm. things. I question everything. Uh, so pondering life's mysteries, pondering what happens when we die. Uh, these are all the things that kind of led me into metaphysics. I actually found spiritualism through a friend that was like, hey, they can talk to dead people. And I was like, what? <laughs> so that's how they kind of piqued me, piqued my interest. And I went and saw it and uh, I was 
they had me hooked from day one. They yeah. brought in my grandmother with a message that was so ridiculously uncanny mm-hmm. uh, and so specific that I was like, okay, you know, then I became, how's this done? All right. What's, the, you know, then I yeah. had analytical. analytical mind, like, what's this all? Yeah. Yep. And so, so it's like, um, from there, I just kind of, go ahead. Oh, no, it was just say, it was like the first time I went up to Lilydale. I'd grown up hearing about it. And then the first time I finally went about 10 years ago, walking onto the grounds, I was like, all right, what's this place about? Like, is somebody going to try to steal my soul? Or, you know, I was a little bit fearful of, about what I had heard. And then I got there, I was like, you're just like a bunch of really, for the most part, sweet older women and now and men. But I'd only met the women. I was like, you guys are just really sweet. I want to hate like grandparents. Like, I want to hang out with you guys and have you tell me about the world. Um, but I, I realized, I was like, wow, there are people on this earth who speak a language that I both intuitively know, but want to learn to speak in public and with others. Oh, totally. you know what? And I can pass on a quick secret about, oh, yeah. I was just saying, we've got one minute. Let's hear it. A uh, quick secret about Lilydale. I saw they have that fairy village, that fairy uh-huh. houses you can walk through, like the path. That's yeah. where I actually saw a fairy, like, and I cheated. I'm not going to lie. I totally cheated. I followed this cat around. It oh. was going through <laughs> the woods, and I'm following what it's paying attention to, and I followed it to this little fairy house, and I saw this little light, and then, and it was so cool, and the cat looked at me, and I looked at the cat, and I was like, that's what's up. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Thanks, dude. Thanks. Uh, I've got to go back. So, yeah, so home. if you want the fairies, follow the cats. Oh, very cool. Uh, very find the cool. cats and go find the fairies. That's a good tip. I was just there last week, but all right, next time I go, I'm going to find a cat and follow it around. All right. So um, we will be, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll have more with Reverend Brian Bunk. Thanks for listening. And we're back on Golden Otter Radio with me, Autumn Seibel, and my amazing guest today, Reverend Brian Funk, who is an ordained minister, certified medium, and healer. And right now we're going to be talking about reincarnation. So, Reverend Funk, what is reincarnation? (laughs) So, reincarnation is the belief that the soul can come in into a different body or even to not even just the human form, but different forms. I mean, we could, we can go off and talk about incarnating on different planets and in different types of things in different mm-hmm. universes. But to try to keep us somewhat on track here is that reincarnation is that I'm not just Brian Funk, that when I pass on, I can come back and be somebody else in a different mm-hmm. body. And I find that uh, throughout what I've researched, what I, even in my own past life discoveries is that we really try to incarnate in different roles different races, different cultures, different experiences, because you, as you progress further along your spiritual unfoldment, you want to be able to have balance and you want to be able to have understanding and appreciation for different experiences. Um, What I do find that happens so much is that that kind of that feeling that I talked about that, that golden moment that we started out with, with Mm -hmm. almost like a recognition and a lot of people say, well, did you meet your soulmate? Is this it? And 
I do feel that a lot of times there is that unconscious recognition that you know this person somewhere oh, for sure. else. But also the times it could just be that, yeah, you two are so linked in that it's almost like another version of you. Um, yeah. And there's there's often recognition in somebody else that you knew you love this person. It could be anything. Yeah. It could be looking into their eyes. It could be looking into their soul. And you're like, oh my God, I knew you before. When, when yeah. I first started at UMC, um, I met this, I think she was in her 70s. And we walked around holding hands and I called her my little girlfriend because when I was in like my <laughs> early 20s and everybody was like, oh, you guys are so cute. Because we just recognized each other. And it yeah. was like, it was heartbreaking when I had to leave that weekend because it was like yeah. finding a lost love. And yeah. oh. I find that the more you kind of open up, yeah, I know. <laughs> the no, more you I mean, open I up recognize that. I see the beauty in it. I know from the outside, people will make, they could, hopefully they won't because I'm not going to push that energy in here. But you know, it can be easy to make fun of that stuff. But if you just look at the love that exists and that's the path that you follow, like if you like literally with your heart, you just go and you accept that as a like as something that happened and honor it. That's my thing. Like I'm sitting here saying like, well, that's so sweet because I've had those experiences. When I met my husband, we joked that it was kind of an arranged marriage in the sense that my brothers had had gone to school with him and set us up. But and I was like, no, 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 I don't want to meet any of your friends. No, thank you. I've got I've got four brothers. I was not interested in any of their friends. And because they were all like brothers to me all the friends. And when I met my husband, Dan, I was like, oh, oh my gosh, like I'm supposed to be with you. And I just felt even after I met him and we lived on opposite coasts, I was like, if I never see that guy again, I felt something in my heart that now will be what I forever am longing for because it was just an instant comfort an instant knowing. And then as we got to actually know each other on this life, in this physical world, as, as he was and I was and where we were on our life's journey, I just, I said to him one time, I go, you know, I really like being with you. And he goes, why? And I go, I can just be myself. I don't have to be any version other than who I am at my core. And that is as true as the day that I met him at it, as it is now, all these years later. And I think that's like a knowing when you meet somebody who, <sighs> You can just breathe in their presence. You can be happy, sad, angry, you know, and you always come back to this centered place where you're like, this is, this feels safe and this feels right. I mean, that's my, my definition of a soulmate, but I, I have had experience with people in past lives who I'll meet and I'm like, whoa, like do, do like at first on the, on the intellectual plane, you're like, it does not make sense why I am so angry with you for something so minuscule that I would never like be angry at somebody else for. Why is this one thing so like prominent in our, inter in our interaction? And the more I kind of looked into the idea of past lives, I'm like, yeah, there's probably some sort of karma. You probably hurt me. I probably hurt you. We're probably still trying to work this out. Not ready to deal with it now. See you in another life. <laughs> But uh, yes, yeah, so speak, right. speaking That's of right. that, this like concept of past lives, um, how, wh what do you have to say on the matter? So I find the biggest problem with past life discussion mm -hmm. is the ego. Because mm -hmm. most people, most people don't want to talk about the time where they, you know, were a jerk or yeah. a tyrant or did not less than spiritual things. So For I find sure. most people are like, I, I've met so many people that are like, oh, I was Cleopatra in my past life. Like, yeah. uh, 
<laughs> or yeah, I've had so many people. I'm not saying that they aren't, but it's like you also had not so glamorous past lives. Yeah, that have now shape where you are today. Yeah. So um, I'm fully, find, I'm like, fully aware that I was a peasant girl. Like, like, um, what do they call those? Oh, it's probably not probably not supposed to say it on air, which is why I can't think of it. What do you call it when you nurse a wet nurse? I was like a peasant wet nurse in a past life. I'm like that was probably something <laughs> that I did, and I'm very okay with it. Anyways, see now I'm being <laughs> silly about it, and people are gonna think, oh well, you got to take this concept seriously. But you're right; it's this ego attachment that sometimes people can latch on to what happened in a past life. And um, what about like the victim mentality? Do you ever see that of like this happened to me in a past life and whew, let me tell you about it. Oh yeah. Well that, that whole victim consciousness or that victim personality is a, a major hurdle to mm -hmm. spiritual awareness and spiritual enlightenment. If people mm -hmm. keep playing the victim card, mm -hmm. they're not putting in the work they need to do to evolve yeah. and move on. And I've, I found that too, that some people be like, Oh, you know, this has only happened to me because of something I did in a past life. And it's like, well, no, you always have the opportunity to forgive, let go anybody that's hurt you in this life, past lives or anything, and kind of cut that cord and move on yeah. with your life and stop being a victim. Um, yeah. But with, uh, I'll find too that like past lives can really help you understand why you're here now, because there'll be certain past lives that gave you certain pieces, certain talents in this life that you were meant to have for whatever role and mission you have in this incarnation. Absolutely. So, and um, what's really neat about that too, is that if you can go about it and be kind of humbled by those experiences, it's kind of like mm -hmm. you, you, you packed a backpack with all these tools that you would need from all these different lives. And it's not your yeah. entire repertoire of tools, but it's what you needed for this life. And yeah. um, all of us really, there's a great movie too, quick sidebar. It came out in the eighties. It's called defending your life. If you've never seen it, it's hilarious, uh -huh. but they go to like a past lives pavilion yeah. where you can put your hand on this machine, use some of your past lives. Yeah. Um, check it out. And for the listeners, you check it out. And it's that concept too. It shows that you don't always have a glorious past life. Yeah. Some of them are just a regular life. You're just yeah. a regular person. You didn't do anything extraordinary or anything yeah. terrible. And I think that's important too to know that we're all in these different places as we incarnate. Not all of us are meant to um, do these extraordinary life-changing things. It's actually the little things that we do that help shape and shift others and each other. Um, so it's much more humbling when you really study everything that you're like, oh, I do make an impact even little by little. Yeah. And that's why even if you study the in-between lives, in-between incarnations and kind of setting up, okay, if I if I incarnate next, what am I trying to do? What's needed down there? What could I do here? You mm -hmm. almost set up this like agenda, so to speak, of what yeah. you want to try and learn and do. Or And then you pick your soulmates, you pick your soul family, and it's like, all right, you are my brother in this life. In this life, you're going to be my sister or my mother. And you find that that common thread a lot of times helps to be here on earth in a place where most often we feel alien to this world or we yeah. feel uncomfortable here. I guess it's, physical bodies because we're used to being spirit. I guess that, yeah. So uh, to speak to that, I guess it's a part of the past lives discussion that I find fascinating because, you know, I have, I've had a few and they go, well, you were a geisha in a past life. And I'm like, geisha, wow. And then you go, okay, well, what, what is that really trying to say about 
you know, my life and, and how I live this life and what's the past experience. And as soon as you kind of integrate that into yourself, you feel, well, I did, felt a little bit more whole. But the part of the past lives discussion that I like that I find really empowering is when you frame it like this, what if I chose to come here now exactly as I am? What if I chose my parents? What if I chose my siblings? What if I chose my coworkers? What if I chose, 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 chose? What if before I came here, I was in this infinite field of intelligence that knew way more than my human mind could ever <laughs> understand. And I knew that. So while I was in spirit, in concert with, you know, the divine, I made all these choices for my soul's growth. And I said, okay, I'm ready. Send me in coach. I'm ready to play. And you know, you come back and you live this life and you go, okay, based on all the past lives that I may have lived, what do I want my future self to be? And um, that's the part of the conversation that I really find fascinating with, with past lives. And then this idea of like future lives, because we might not have time to talk about it before we go to a break. But um, when we come back, I do want to talk about what if you don't want to do it again? What, um, what if you don't want to reincarnate? Are we required to in order to spiritually evolve or can we just be done? So um, Amadam, you're listening to Golden Otter Radio. When we come back, Reverend Funk will explain those concepts to our listeners. Hey, you're just one moon away from living your best life. Did you know you can transform your life in 30 days with lunar manifestations? Start using the law of attraction to manifest by the cycles of the moon. I'm Autumn Seibel, and I just created two incredible platforms for you to finally step into who you're truly meant to be in this life. Visit goldenotter.us to begin your manifesting journey today. That's golden like the precious metal, otter like the precious animal.us. We're back on Golden Otter Radio with Autumn Seibel. I have Reverend Brian Funk here discussing the bridge between the metaphysical and the mainstream. Now he's going to give us some tips for understanding spiritual awakenings and the Aquarian age understanding of spiritual evolution. But first, we're going to go back just a second to this conversation we were having about reincarnating and this idea that um, do we have to do it again? Are we required to reincarnate to evolve spiritually or can we just be done? Is that considered nirvana or enlightenment. What do you think, Reverend Funk? So, um, and again, it's kind of just what I've studied, what I've learned, what I've uncovered is that the door to come back, the opportunity to come back is always open, but it's not forced. You don't necessarily get uh, reprimanded to repeat the second grade, so to speak. Um, <laughs> But that's really kind of a good analogy, too, is that each incarnation is kind of like graduating from a different grade and going to a mm -hmm. different level of learning and understanding. So not a requirement. It's just it's an eventuality because there's no yeah. time there. I mean, every on the other side, they don't experience this time. So, you know, 500 years goes by in like two minutes, mm -hmm. you know, just by comparison. It's just. But we think we, you know, because so many people say, oh, once I'm done with this life, that's it. I'm not coming back. Yeah. But then yeah. if you look at things, you kind of realize, oh, maybe I spoke a little prematurely. I would kind of like to experience this or experience that because there's certain things 
to incarnate physically, whether it be in a human form or a different form or in a different uh, dimension or awareness. There's certain things that physical incarnations allow you to experience that you can't get without being incarnated. So yeah. at some point people are, if they really want to go further, they can, and that's always open. It's especially always open for those that quote unquote, do bad things or harm people, you know, or the idea of being uh, damned forever and things like that. I don't believe that. And that's not in my philosophy. I believe that you can always um, kind of remedy yourself and, and work out those problems that you created and then incarnate within soul groups and soul families of maybe the person that you did victimize. Yeah. Now you're in their life to try and make up for what you did to them in another And um, that's kind of the beauty of it too. People only see the hurt and the hatred in some of these Mm -hmm. acts of violence or things like that. But when you actually connect with spirit, you see that, oh my gosh, they possibly knew each other in a past life. I don't want to say everything is absolute. So I'm just going to say they possibly knew each other. But a lot of times that's what I uncover. They knew each other in a past life. This was something they agreed upon to not only work out their own karma, but to now provide lessons and opportunities for those around them to experience that including other family members other loved ones who now have this happen and what did they do with it do they go with hatred and anger back at this person um or do they go with learning how to forgive and love and be more compassionate to even those that hurt others yeah Um, so we kind of have that as not only do we choose go ahead no it finish what you're going to say and then i i'll jump in please Sure. I was just going to say, so not only do we, I mean, I hate to say it because some people would say, well, why would I, why would somebody come in and choose to experience such a harmful, hurtful thing? Mm -hmm. Why would I, why would I choose that? It doesn't make Mm -hmm. sense. But if you take back and look at it from a spiritual perspective, as far as growth, opportunity, all of these things to provide um, lessons and forgiveness and to further you along to that next grade, like I use that analogy, that's part of the test is yeah. to have these things happen. So that's why you would do that. And because mm-hmm. especially when people say, oh, well, they were murdered or, oh, they were this or that, that's only in the physical. Okay? Mm-hmm. Like the soul continues. And I think that that concept alone, that we can't really die. So as much as you want to do to me in this physical body, it's kind of laughable because I'm going to continue on. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no fear But your soul will still kind of carry those. Message. got a lag right. your soul will still carry those dings but then it's up to you know integration up to you to integrate that's right and yeah. there's always that opportunity for the soul to continue learning to continue evolving and it really is much more of a beautiful perspective on life when you yeah. actually see that we're all connected that we're actually more of a family even when we hurt each other and do things yeah. You know, that it's just perceived that way. I was in a circle actually at AMC and it was a, there was like a group reading and it was a wild one. We'd seen some ectoplasm, which I'd never seen before. I was ready to run for the hills. I'd already marked all of my exits for like, escaping the situation. <laughs> like my mind, my analytical mind could not process what was happening spiritually. I was like, it's cool. It's fine. Like just stay in your seat. But my, my monkey brain, my analytical brain was like, oh my gosh, get out of here. Um, everything was fine. But it was very cool because I started looking around at the other 
people in the group and they were seeing the same thing that I was just by what the conversation was at the time. And so you're going, okay, this is not just a figment of my imagination. You know, if I wanted to get analytical, it's like either we're all having a group hallucination or this is what it is. And um, that's why I like the scientific approach to thing. It's like, well, are we all having a hallucination or can we scientifically look at the situation? Like if somebody was recording it and say there was no influence, nobody, you know what I mean? Um, but what I wanted to say was actually in that circle, um, the medium brought through some, I don't want to say lower entities, but they were spirits who had, you know, not been so great here on this physical earth. Maybe they had harmed people, they'd harmed themselves. Um, and they had gone to kind of like a holding place where there were higher guides and angels and, and teachers who were kind of mentoring them. I like to think of it kind of as like study hall, not quite prison, but like study hall where you don't get to go back to the classroom with the rest of the kids who aren't hurting each other and, are, you know, are more or less doing what they're supposed to, paying attention, doing their work. Um, you guys got to sit in here and study. I don't know. We had a, a study hall teacher named Mr. McCain, who sometimes I think kids acted up just so they could go there and learn those <laughs> lessons with his tough love approach. Um, but that's kind of how I think of it and how it was introduced to me, this idea that there is kind of a holding place on the other side for people to kind of, or spirits to review maybe what they did in their life that wasn't, wasn't love-based essentially. And could say it was fear fear-based because if there's really only two emotions, love and fear, it's like if you're committing violence or harming somebody, is that a love-based emotion? No, it's probably a fear-based emotion, a fear of losing them, a fear of, you know, something that happened to them. So you have anything to say about that <laughs> little diatribe? Um, actually, no, I, I love using movies. Like we were talking yeah. about how all us is mainstream. That same movie, Defending Your Life, Mm -hmm. They do it after the person dies. They do a life review. Yeah. They go back through and they take parts of their life. It's all about overcoming fear yeah. and choosing love. And it's so even with what you're saying, like that's at the heart of this whole thing, this whole existence. Overcome yeah. fear, choose love. It's that simple. Very um, cool. I'm going to have to done check beautifully that out. in that movie, very comically. Defending yeah. your life. I'm going to have to look flick. it out. All right. I'll have to find it on VHS or <laughs> I'm sure it's probably on Netflix or Hulu or something. Um, all right. So let's get into spiritual awakenings and spiritual evolution. So we talked briefly about the Aquarian age. Could you speak to the spiritual understanding of the dawning of the age of Aquarius? You know, the song. Um, I always heard that growing up. It was like a 70s song. But for some reason, I always love that song. I think a lot of people know it. Even if you didn't grow up in the 70s, you've heard it. What exactly are they talking about? What is the dawning of the age of Aquarius? Well, ju just like the song suggests, harmony and understanding. Yeah. Uh, so right there, it's about living more harmoniously with your brother and sister, understanding each other more authentically, um, being more of a family, non-judgmental. You, you can actually see even just the shift in the last 20 years as the Aquarian age came over. We've become so much more accepting of so yeah. many different things and so much more accepting of people being who they are. And yeah. that's part of that. This dawning of Aquarius is this, this uh, shift towards recognizing everybody for who they truly are and appreciating that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Reverend Funk, for that quick tip.
tip. Um, we are, it's time to go. It went so fast. So I want to thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to follow Golden Otter Divinations on Instagram, where you can check in and let me know about your golden moments so Spirit and I can cheer you on. Also, if you'd like to contact me or join my monthly manifesting membership, Lunar Manifestations, visit my website, goldenotter.us. I want to thank my amazing guest today, Reverend Brian Funk, for sharing such a wealth of information. And I want to thank you all for tuning into Golden Otter Radio. I had an amazing time sharing this sacred co-creation space with you. Please join me every first Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. Our next show will be Friday, September 6, 2018, discussing heart-based student education as the kiddos head back to school for the year. Have a great week, and I'll feel your positive vibes back here next time. Thanks so much, Reverend Funk.